You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right. Well, this morning we are still in our series on patterns, and I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm excited because every time I get into the Word and as the Lord speaks through the Word of God, I just see more and more things. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, our, the pattern for our soul. And so I tried to get out of this part of this. I tried to like leave this idea of God's design for our soul. But the Lord showed me one more thing that I want to share with you all today. So if you will allow me to continue talking about the pattern of our soul, I believe that this is really transformational stuff uh, in the word that can really grow us. Okay. And so here's what I want to say before we get started uh, about patterns is that patterns are God's plan for us to grow. They're God's plan for us to grow. And we're growing up into the maturity of Jesus Christ. No matter if you find yourself, like Pastor Spud said today, in need of God's saving grace, or if you've been walking with the Lord longer than you can remember, we are all growing. We all need to be taking a step. So understand that in light of a few things, please. That even though I love seeing you here on Sunday morning, Sunday morning is going to provide you one portion of what you need. There are other things we do in this church that are going to provide something else. That's what we do Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights is not just our filler for having a midweek service. Trust me. Trust me, if that's all it was, we would just cancel midweek and let you go on with your life. I'm sure you could find better things to do with your time if what we are doing here is not growing you. But that's not what it's about. It's another portion of what you need to grow up into Jesus Christ. Why? Because things happen in the context of community where life can be shared, your heart can be heard, prayers can be prayed, needs can be met, prayers can be answered. We can grow in the word. That is how, in part, we grow into the fullness of Christ Jesus. You also have to have something in your daily life that you're using. That's why reading your Bible, if I can just say it bluntly, is not a waste of your time. Because if you believe the Word of God is living and active like it says it is, then it's going to do something to you every time you get into it. So when we put these pieces together, we see a pattern, don't we? And that pattern grows us. But a pattern is not something that we mindlessly follow. And thanks be to God, okay? And let me, let me say that with just really a deep authenticity. Thank you, God, that you're not just creating us to be robots to follow A, B, C, D. God didn't design us that way. He didn't ask us to come to the word that way. Well, pastor, I'm just supposed to obey the word and do what it says. Yes, you are, but it is not apart from relationship. God did not simply just ask you to obey the letter of the law without letting you know his heart for the letter of the law. And so when we come to patterns, it comes with this understanding that if we're simply just to take these as steps to walk out, and we don't capture the love, the heart of the Father, then we're going to be missing something and we will fail even in a God-designed pattern. God wants us to succeed, so he lets us know his heart behind those patterns. And so I want to talk this morning about how we grow our soul, how we grow our soul, how we put our soul and our spirit in harmony with one another. Now, this deserves a little bit of context, okay? Because the question you should be asking me is, 
Please, pastor, explain to me the difference between my soul and my spirit. As a matter of fact, it could be confusing because there's times in the Bible that they're used synonymously. They're used in the same context. They mean the same thing. When David says uh, to himself in the, Psalm, in the book of Psalms where he says, I delight, my soul delights in the Lord, he's talking about his spirit. And so we understand that if we don't look at this and see what the word of God says, it can be confusing. So just give me a second as we get started this morning to explain this. There's biblical reference to this idea. And we see it in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And Paul, the author of Thessalonians, his first letter to Thessalonica, says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's two important things I want you to see here. Is this, you see the threefold breakdown of man. And what is it? It's spirit, soul, and body. But here's what you see that's more important, and it's this, is that God sees it as one. How do we know that? Because here we read and it says that your whole, that you as a whole would be kept blameless, that would be, would be built up, would be strengthened. And so God sees it as a whole, but in this whole there are different parts and pieces that we need to understand. And the first is this, that we do have a spirit. And let me tell you what this word literally means in the original language. It's very, very cool. It means this, a house where faith and God's words are at home. What is your spirit? Your spirit is the place where you receive who God is. That by faith you grow in the knowledge of God, the revelation of God. That when you read the Bible, it resonates in your spirit. When you worship, it resonates in your spirit. When you have godly conversation, it resonates in your spirit. Why? Because that is where God's word and faith have a home. What about our soul? The word soul literally is this understanding, and it comes from Greek philosophy that was popular in antiquity, back when Jesus was alive. And it was this thought that the soul was the breath of life. But here's what the soul is. The soul is the place where life is lived. Where life is lived. And that means this. How do you live your life? What determines how you live your life? Your decisions determine how you live your life. Oftentimes, your feelings determine how you live your life. Your thoughts determine how you live your life. What you decide to do, your will, determines how you live your life. This is the seat of your soul, the place where life is lived. Well, then what is your body? What is this word body, and what does this mean? Here, the Scripture is not just talking about the, the, the cells that make up your flesh, it's not talking about the DNA and the flesh and, and those things. What it's talking about actually means this, an instrument for the soul. And all this is is this. You can think anything in your mind. You can say, man, I surely would like to have a Diet Coke. But you know what? You're not going to stand in your living room and just stare at your refrigerator and go, oh, Diet Coke, come to me. Come to me, mm, I'm willing it. Mm. It won't work. If it does, call me, video it, let me see. I want to watch that. But it won't normally work. And here's why. is because you got to have something to act out your soul 
desires, don't you? Wow, wait a second. So the things that I feel and the things that I think and the things that are hitting my mind, I, I, they, they're, they're going to take action, aren't they? They're going to take action through my flesh. And so here's the key. This is the key and the importance of understanding all three of these things is that this is the key is that something has to take the lead, doesn't it? Yes. And God designed for your spirit to take the lead. Why? Because if all of our actions are a reflection of our soul, then we'd be a mess, wouldn't we? We would just say whatever we thought. Some of us do on Facebook. Stop it. Think about that for a second. How many times this week have you had to bite your tongue? Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on, folks. Think about it for just a second. How many times have you had to slow down in your car and not try to run somebody off the road? Listen. Oh, no, no, not you guys. It's just, it's just me. I know it. It is just me. And here's why you don't do that is because if you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then there's something else piloting your life, and it's the Spirit of God. And so the Holy Spirit constantly checks us and goes, wait a second. Nope, that's not who you are. Nope, nope, nope. Nope. And even when we fail to listen to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says, hey, why don't you go ahead and repent of that so that I can restore righteousness to you and get you back into the place where you are supposed to be living. And so there has to be harmony between our soul and our spirit. There has to be harmony there. In order for our soul to grow, there has to be harmony. All right, let's stop and let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, that your word is life and your word is powerful. As we come to your word this morning, Holy Spirit, speak to us. We're going to choose right now to take our defenses down, to listen to your word, to receive your word, and to respond to your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you desire to bring us into good places, places where our soul can abound, places where we can be led by your sweet spirit. We thank you. Let it be done here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so many of you do not know this about me, but I am quite, quite, quite the rap star. Yes, I am. I know that the back row of youth, just their heads just perked up. They looked up off their phones. Thank you, guys. I got your attention. <clears throat> I am. And I know the next question is this, is you're like, well, lay some sick beats on me, Pastor. No, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because there is a special time that I do that. There's a special place that I do that. And that special time and that special place happens in the car in the morning when I am taking my two youngest girls to middle school. Why? Because it effectively embarrasses them, but also it is just a good audience to just lay some lyrics down and get that freestyle stuff going, you know? And inevitably what happens is this, is my daughter Anna's in the, in the front seat, my daughter Lily's in the back, and the radio's off for a little bit, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, all right, uh, uh, uh. And I start laying stuff down. And my daughter Anna's face does not flinch, doesn't move, doesn't do anything. She just stares there looking blankly like she has a poker stare, a thousand-foot stare. I mean, it's, it's insane. Like, she could win pro poker tournaments off this stare. And so then that's just a cue for me to go, okay, I need to hit it harder, right? Because this isn't, this isn't resonating, right? It's not getting in. She's not feeling this. And so I'll just lay it in, and I'll turn while I'm driving and look at her and be like, oh, that's good, huh, huh? Nothing. Doesn't budge. Doesn't move, doesn't turn, doesn't twist. I'm like, well, you, you just don't know, Anna. You just don't know what's up. 
You don't understand what good music is, Anna, because I am filled with good music. I am filled with sick beats, good lyrics, good rhymes. It's all about me, me, and guys like Eminem. We're right on the top level. If you don't know who Eminem is, Google it. Don't listen, though. All right? And so, <laughs> and so, so what happens after that is what I affectionately call the war of the radio takes place because she will just reach over and turn on the radio and then she'll tune it to what she likes. And then I'm like, wait a minute. No, ma'am. And so I push the button and I tune it to what I want. Normally it ends up on 92.5, right? Can I get a shout out for the oldies? All right. Thank you very much, Todd. And so we're listening to that. And Anna looks at me. She'll turn her head and go, no. She'll push it back. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Beep, 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 back and forth. We're chasing the radio up and down until we find something. And immediately we understand, we know. We look at each other and we go, okay, we can both sing to this. All right, we start bobbing our head and we'll sing. And so here's the thing is that I think I understand music. And I do. I understand music history. Oh, some of you are laughing, but this is not laughable. This is truth. I will challenge you in music history after class, all right? We'll have a showdown. And I understand music, and I'm like, Anna, what I know about music is right. I know good music. I like good music, and I know about it, right? So there, all right, it's on me. She's like, Dad, you don't know good music at all. You don't know it sounds good. You don't even know how to sing, and you don't know how to rap. And she'll find something, but here's the thing is that my daughter Anna can actually sing. She, she, like I like to say, she's got pipes. She performed actually at a, the, 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 Her- the uh, Pecan Festival for her school, and she sang, and when she sang it, it literally made me cry. I watched people's faces go, whoa, just taken back. And so Anna does actually understand what good music is, and she understands music, and she hears it. But the conflict that we have in our car is not about what is good, what is right. It's about agreement between what is good and what is right. And see, this is exactly what takes place between our spirit and our soul. And I'm going to show you a conversation that the Apostle Paul had that actually proves this. Because there is continually this back and forth between your spirit and your soul. And until you learn how to settle it, until you learn and understand God's pattern to grow your soul, you're going to keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, being led by one thing or the other. Some days you'll be led by the spirit and you'll feel like a champion. Other days you'll be led by your soul and you'll feel like a heel. But here's what God wants you to do. He doesn't want to remove your feelings. He doesn't want to remove the things that are in your soul. What he wants to do is he wants to renew them so they can be used for God's purposes. Let me show you this conversation that Paul has. Turn to Romans 7. I love this. I love Paul's humanity, and I love Paul's honesty, and I love Paul's authenticity here because it's important for us to hear. But at the end of this, Paul drops the mic and walks off. And this is what we all need to hear. Let me read this to you, starting in verse 14. Now, you got to follow this because Paul gets a little, little fast with the tongue here. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Paul is talking about the conflict that exists 
between his spirit and his soul. I desire to do spiritual things, but something gets in the way. My soulish thinking. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. How many of you have ever been there? I don't want to do that. I know that's not good, but I just can't seem to stay away from it. I hate this, and I do the things that I hate to do. Verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. I'm going to explain this in a second. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. Whew, there's a lot of do's and do nots in there, isn't there? But here's what Paul's saying. He's talking about what is going to master my spirit and what is going to master my soul. Because here is just the blank reality of this. And why we need to pay attention to this principle and recognize God's pattern is because you and of yourself, apart from the Holy Spirit, can't do good, good. You can't do good, good enough. You can try. Oh, sure, you can try. And we all have, haven't we? We've all tried to be good. We've all tried to be good enough. We've all tried to be, do the right thing. What do we call it, folks? We call it willpower, don't we? It typically happens the first of every year, doesn't it? Well, I'm going to get up, I'm going to jog, I'm going to eat the right foods, I'm going to read my Bible every day, I'm going to be kind to my dog, the one that I hate, the little one. Um, you know, I'm going to do all these things. And they're not stemmed. I just made my daughter snort. Um, they're not stemmed. They're not stemmed in spiritual things, are they? Oftentimes, we just do this because it's a reflection. Hear me on this. This is a reflection of the bad feeling we have in our soul and our thinking. And this is what Paul's talking about. I see these things that I keep on doing, and I don't want to do them anymore. But I don't know how to get free from it. I don't know how to stop doing these things. The struggle's real. And I can't simply, I can't. Be good enough. There's not enough good in me to be good enough. And here's the, here's the thing I want you to capture in this, is that until you get your spirit settled and your soul in harmony with your spirit, then the good that you are trying to do falls short every time. Not only does it fall short from a salvation purpose, meaning this, is there's nothing good apart from Jesus Christ that you can do that merits your salvation, but it falls short from the place of bringing fulfillment in your life as well. And this is what Paul's saying. Saying, a matter of fact, what I do actually brings me back under the law. The reminder of the law. Now, I understand, and I want you to stay with me. Don't tune out. Don't look at your phone. I want you to hear this. You need to hear this because you have to understand the word of God. Is that Paul is, is pulling on the understanding that he's talking to some folks who came out of Judaism. And their point of reference for good was the law. 
And what the law does, the New Testament tells us, is reminds us of our shortcomings and points us to the grace and the righteousness only found in Jesus Christ. But Paul is saying here, the more I try to be good in of of my own self, of my own ability, I'm reminded that I constantly fall short. I live under the law of condemnation. And so, folks, here's, the, here's where the rubber meets the road on this, is that some of you are living under the law of condemnation because you are trying to do things in your own ability and you consistently fall short because you're not following God's pattern to grow your soul and for you and your soul and your spirit to be in harmony. Let's keep reading here. Verse 21, he goes on and he says this, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Listen to this, please. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Here is the sum conclusion of the alignment between our spirit and our soul, is that it must be led by the influence, by the love, by the revelation of Jesus Christ alone. Paul says there's only one way that I can be rescued from this vicious pattern. And and the only way I can be rescued is through the personhood, the knowledge, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That is the only way that I can be saved from this vicious pattern. And isn't it amazing, and Pastor Spud referenced this, that in the Gospel of John, Jesus said of himself, That he who comes to the Son and receives the freedom that the Son gives is truly free indeed. And see, this theme runs the course of the New Testament and every letter and every book. And it streams through this, that only through Jesus Christ and the revelation of who he is do we find an alignment between our spirit and our soul. Why? Because in Jesus Christ is the power to break every bit of dead works within us and wrong thinking within us. See, here's the hard reality with this message. In order to line up our spirit and our soul, we've got to do some house cleaning in where we think. And it's only through the power of Jesus Christ that that happens. And this is what Paul says. And he goes and he kind of puts a punctuation on this idea by saying that no longer am I under the law of sin and death, but I am under the law of God. What is he saying? He's saying now I've come under the law of righteousness. And what the law of righteousness does for every one of us is reminds us of who we are. Not in our ability, not in our works, not in our goodness, not in our talent. Not in our own strength, but it reminds us of who we are because of the grace that Jesus Christ gave us and the acceptance that God gives us through the grace of Jesus Christ. It pulls us up to a place beyond ourselves, and it begins to actually renew our mind and line up our spirit and our soul so that there can be growth in our soul. How am I going to live as somebody that has peace in my feelings and my decisions? How would I ever live as a person who gives grace away whenever I've been wronged. 
apart from Jesus Christ. It's impossible. And this is what Paul says. I want to talk now for just a second about how we get the harmony between the soul and the spirit. And I want to show you just a really neat grouping of stories that Jesus gave in Mark's gospel, chapter 4. We're not going to read this, but I'm just going to talk about these. You can turn in your Bible there if you want. Because it's one thing to understand this, but what if we need to do some house cleaning? What, what if we need to rectify some things in our life and, and have our soul renewed? See, the thing is this, is that oftentimes we don't know that our soul and our spirit aren't lined up until we kind of hit a rough patch, isn't it? Let me tell you what happened to me recently. The other day, I was feeling a certain way. Emphasis on feeling. When my feeling got hurt. It's not plural. I got one feeling. My wife laughed. She knows me. Y'all wake up. Come on. And so I was upset. And I was, I was mad. I was mad at someone. I was mad at something that had happened. And I felt justified in my thinking. I felt justified. I knew that what had happened happened to me, happened to my family, and, and I, was, I was upset. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to call somebody, a friend of mine who I know will co-sign. He'll co-sign. He'll like to hear about this, and he'll go, yeah, let's be upset together. And so I did. I called him. He doesn't live in this state. He lives in another state. I said, hey, man, what's up? He's like, not too much. What's up with you? I'm like, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you what's up. And I just began to spew, just blah, you know, just ah, just vomit all over him about all this stuff. And I'm fully ready. Like, I'm just like, just, he's just gonna just bear hug me through the phone and be like, oh, that's right, man. That's so messed up. I got your back. Don't worry about it. People are, are jerks. And you know what I'm saying? We'll take them down. Bap, bap, bap. You know, that's that rap guy of me coming out. And so, and, and like, I was fully ready for that. And, and like, so I got done like, you know how you take a breath after you've been talking for like way too long? And he goes, hey, man, you know, you're really not allowed to feel that way. <laughs> what? He goes, you know, um, what needs to happen right now is the situation in that person's life is they need grace. Uh, you're breaking up. You see, because we all go through those things, don't we, Andy? Don't we, don't we all hit rough patches? Don't we all hit hard times? And what do we need? You're so dumb. Like, you're dumb. You're, you're not my friend anymore. You're off my favorites on my call log. And so I'm just listening there. I'm thinking all that stuff. I'm not saying it. And I'm just getting madder and madder. Like, it's not helping me at all. I'm just getting madder and madder. And so I'm like, okay. So grace, I get it. Yeah, love, acceptance. Uh, yeah, <laughs> all good stuff. You don't understand. You don't get it. So I'm like, I pull up to the house. I'm like, I got to let you go. <laughs> He's like, I love you, my friend. I said, yeah, whatever. I love you too, bye. You know, I'm thoroughly mad. I'm not joking. I was upset. I'm like, no, you don't get it. My soul is broken right now, and I need somebody to come alongside and say, yeah, you're right to be broken. But what I got was somebody that said, hey, you're not right to be following the promptings of your soul. You need to just kind of jump back into your spirit and understand that there's some, something that could, you need to give that actually could heal you. And so I got into bed, and I'm just kind of thinking about that. I'm still angry. Got into one more conversation, and, and I did the same thing. I'm laying in bed. The Lord said, hmm, hmm, really? 
That's never a good conversation, guys. It's just not a good conversation. And I'm like, yeah, really? You know what I'm saying? I'm bowing up to God a little bit. And, and God's like, no, come on. Lay back down. What's happening? And the Lord began to deal with my soul on grace. The Lord began to deal with my soul on grace. And see, the conversation was received not because I wanted to hear it, but because I had a reference point in my spirit for grace. See, my spirit couldn't deny grace. Your spirit can't deny grace. Why? Because it is by grace that you've been saved. But your soul, when it's broken, can deny grace. And so there has to be a harmony. And I had to go, in order to get in harmony... I just say, God, I am sorry. I have sinned. I have broken your heart. And by doing that, I am not following the pattern that you've given me. All right. You guys are like, ooh, ooh dude, come on. Rap for us. Well, no. <laughs> Mark 4, let's go into this real quick. We're almost done, guys. I promise you just a few more minutes. So Jesus gives this parable, and he's like, all right, there is a sower who goes about and he sows seed. And the seed falls into four different types. Some of you have heard this a hundred times. Some of you maybe never before. But Jesus is giving a story here. This is a story Jesus is telling called a parable. And he's talking about a sower. And back in the day, sowers didn't plant gardens like we do. We plant each seed, grouping of seeds or the little plantling down in a row or whatever. But a sower back in that day had a pouch. Imagine Johnny Appleseed, and they're casting it out. They're just casting it out. And see, here's the thing I want you to understand about the sower and this parable is because there's four different types of soil. There's the hard path. There's the rocky ground. There's a thorny ground. And there's a good soil. And here's what you've got to understand. The sower's not stupid. The sower's not stupid. The sower's not intentionally thrown in places he doesn't think it is going to grow. Here's the, here's the bit of revelation on this, is that what is happening to the soil is not happening on the surface. What's happening on the soil is not happening on the surface. See, to the sower, it looks the same. But the condition of the soil is beneath the surface. See, because I believe that Jesus is actually giving us an illustration of the condition of our soul. He actually calls it the heart, but it's the soul that exists within every one of us. Probably today, there are people that might find themselves in one of the four, or some of us today that might have all of the four inside of us. And so after Jesus gives this parable, the disciples are going, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus said, let me explain this to you. That the seed is the word and it goes out into the hearts of the people. And there are some folk that hear it whose hearts and their condition of their soul is like the packed down pathway. And it doesn't even get a chance to go into the ground. What takes place is the enemy comes and snatches it away. How does our heart get that hard? How does the condition of our soul get that hard? It gets that hard through brokenness, through unmet expectations. Some folks in this room today, when they think about God, they say, God, whatever. See, what happened was this, is that you let me down so many years ago. That person I loved died. That thing that you promised me never happened. That thing that took place, you didn't see and you didn't fix and you didn't deal with that person that did that to me. 
And that condition is a real condition that sits in the seat of some of our hearts and our souls today. And Jesus beautifully acknowledges that truth. And he says, listen, I see those people. And then he moves on and explains the stony ground. He says, the stony ground, those are the folks that they know they need to hear the word, but they're just simply not connected. Because the word goes down, but it never takes root. And it never has a chance to spring up into something life-giving. And those folks are the folks who come in and they hear the word because they know they need the word, because they know the word is life-giving, but they're not simply, they're not connected. They're not connected into the truth of who Jesus is. They're not connected into relationships that God has created as being life-giving. See, they're not in a place where they made an agreement that there are other things needed in order for the word that God has given you to grow up into something. And let me just give a strong admonishment to every folk here that you understand this one truth, that there is an important reason why you stay connected because you simply can't grow alone. You're like the stony ground. That you can't turn on the TV or a podcast and say that's enough. It isn't enough. That's not the way God designed the church to be and for us to grow. It isn't. And the most painful thing about the stony ground is this, is that those folks know they want it, they desire it. Jesus actually said they receive it with joy. But there's nothing latching it in to a root system. And so it never springs up. And then Jesus talks about the thorny ground, and he says this, those are the folks where the word goes down into them and it actually takes root and begins to grow up. You see something, you get excited about it, You see something changing, but the cares of this world come up, and the love of money. Jesus actually brings up the love of money concerning the condition of our soul that is thorny. And here's why. It's because folks like this, when we get into this place, and we've all been here, it's this, is that we're prioritizing our life. We're basically saying, Jesus, you can handle this side of my soul, but this side of my soul I've got under my own control. Jesus, you can have the church part of my life, but when it comes to my personal life, I'm going to take care of that. And the problem with that, folks, is very simple. It's because the things that you don't let Jesus have mastery over in your life, and they're the most obvious things, your time, your talent, and your money, your treasure, the things that you are spending your time on, the things that you're using your resources on, and how you spend your money. If you want to know the condition of your soul, can I just be blunt, be real, because I love you, because I'm 40 years old, and I'm getting more and more honest as I get old, is this, is that if you want to see the condition of your soul, where are you spending your money? How are you using your gifts? And where's your time going? Because Jesus is saying this. He's saying, listen, if I don't have mastery over something, what's going to happen is a care is going to come up, and it's going to put a stranglehold on the truth. I can't tell you how many folks I've talked to with the call of God on their life, but they said, you know what, I'm just not in a place in my life to follow that thing that God's called me to. See, I got too much of this going on. I got too much of this going on. And I look at him and I say, don't you think that God thought about that when he called you? Don't you think he knew where you exactly you'd be and exactly what it would take and that he's able to resource it? And probably the hardest thing to acknowledge with the thorny ground is this, is that we see the formation of life popping out of the ground, but then it gets choked out. I grew plants in California when we lived in L.A. We were ambitious. Had watermelon plants. 
And the thing that irritated me the most was there'd be little baby watermelons on the vine. Any planters out there? Come on. And I would be like, yes, we got us a watermelon. We are going to have watermelon soon. I visualize watermelon around the backyard table. The kids in the pool rejoicing over the harvest, saying, yes, God, you've given me the power to grow, to produce watermelon. And then all of a sudden, I'd go back, and that dumb little watermelon would be dead. I'd just stomp it out. Curse that watermelon tree like Jesus did the fig tree. So mad. No bugs got to it. No animals got to it. None of my scary raccoons that lived in California with me got to it. They just got choked out. We planted too many things. We got too excited. There are too many things in the way of it to grow. It's the same way with our life. But then Jesus goes and says there's good soil. There's good soil. And again, every one of us can have any condition of these in our life existing together. Or maybe your heart's just in one place. But God desires the condition of our soul to be good. Team, you can come on up. You know, Pastor, that's all good to know. You've, you've told us all these wonderful things about there's this conflict between our soul and our spirit. Jesus can fix it. The condition of our soul can be messed up. Yeah, we get it. So what do we do? It's a good question. Jesus actually gives the answer. He follows this parable up with three short parables. He talks about a lamp. He talks about how the seed is harvested. And he talks about the mustard seed. He talks about a lamp and he simply says this. These are two sentence parables, each one of them. He just says this. He says, listen, you don't hide a lamp under a bushel. No, you actually let it, let it shine, don't you? And Jesus is using statements to show ridiculousness. He's just going, look, you don't do that, right? And everybody's going, no, you don't do that. If you light a lamp, you don't cover it up. You let it give, do what it's supposed to do. And then Jesus makes this just bomb of a statement, like it just sent, uh, like a, sending off a grenade in the middle of his disciples, and he says, whoever has more will be given. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken. Whoa, that is cutthroat, Jesus. How can you take from somebody that doesn't have anything? What are you going to do? You're going to repossess every part of their life? And Jesus is not giving a hard statement here. He's giving a statement of truth. And here is how we create alignment between our spirit and our soul is that the things that God has deposited in our spirit, we begin to use them. You see, everything that God has given as a truth in your spirit, there has to be an agreement in your soul. It has to be act out. When grace comes to me, Grace can't stay in my spirit. It has to come out of my mouth and into my actions and into the people who need grace. When peace comes into my spirit, peace has to come out of my mouth, has to come through my arms of the people I embrace. When the truth of God's love, the love of Jesus fills our heart, it can't stay cramped up and insulated within the walls of a church. It has to go out. And Jesus is saying this, the quickest way to bring a misalignment between your spirit and your soul is to not use the things that I'm giving you. 
And he gives a warning and he says this. It's not that I'm going to rip out the things in your life. It's this. is that when we choose not to do the things we know to do, James 4, 17, to him that knoweth to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Jesus gives this statement and he says this. He says the quickest way to create a bad cycle is stop doing the things that I'm depositing in your spirit. Because it will create a cycle of doubt. And when a cycle of doubt is built in your life, then you begin to doubt God's word. And then Jesus moves on to the parable of the sower, and he just simply says this. A man goes out and sows a field, and then he stops. End of story. And everything else is up to God. Everything else is up to God. See, the, the man who sows a seed doesn't go into the ground and make sure it's taking root. Even back then, he didn't even add the water to it. God watered it from the heavens, and he brought the sunlight to shine on it. He says all that man does is sow the seed, and by faith, when the harvest time comes, he goes and he reaps the harvest. And this is a powerful truth for lining up your spirit and your soul, is the understanding that God is able to do everything he has called you to do. And it's not your strength, and it's not your power, and it's not your ability, and it's not your aptitude but it's God's strength working in you. And the best thing you can do if you need to line up your spirit and your soul is this, is simply say, God, I trust you. The things that you have spoken to me that you will do, the things you've called me to, the things you've asked me to step into, you're going to perform. It's not my strength. It's not my ability. It's your power at work within me. You're going to do it. And then Jesus finally culminates this and says this, He says, a mustard seed, it's the smallest seed in all the garden, but when it's planted, it brings forth a tree that sprawls out and becomes the largest in the garden to the place where the birds can find shade. And if you want to get started aligning your spirit and your soul, ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit this one question. What is the one thing that you've called me to? What is the one thing that you're speaking to me? See, sometimes we get lost very transparently by trying to get it all figured out. But Jesus gives these three simple follow-up parables on how we are to keep the condition of our soul in a fertile place. When we begin to acknowledge the things he's called us to and to, to show that we believe those things by doing them, when we trust him with all the power and all the ability, all the authority to perform it, And when we go to that one thing that he has called us to, believing that in that one thing, that one word. See, some of you, let me just make this very transparent and real to you this morning. Some of you, God is asking you, man, you're asking you to love your wife better, to love your kids better. And that one thing has in itself the ability. And some of you say, no, listen, I want to move on down the road. I want to move into the great things, God. I want to move into the bigger things. And God's like, listen, I'm not going to bypass This one little thing that I need you to do in your life, this one thing that can be a seed planted in you, that can produce so much life, that can produce such a harvest, to pull you into the bigger things that you think you need. Because without this little thing, you're not going to have any shade for what I'm calling you into the bigger thing. Some of you have got saying, listen, control your anger. Control what you're looking at. Control your responses. 
tiny little mustard seed. But when we begin to put it under the authority of the Holy Spirit and say, God, I don't really have the ability to do it, but you do. But God, the things you call me to act on, I'm going to do immediately. Close your mouth when you're angry. Turn off every bit of computer or phone at a certain time of night. It's real talk. Stop posting to something. Then we listen. Here's a funny story. Is that immediately after Jesus did this, he comes and he tells his disciples to get into the boat. This is the other storm system that Jesus faced with his disciples. And as they're crossing the sea there, what takes place is this. A storm rages around them. But Jesus is fast asleep in the boat. And his disciples scream out to him. They're fearing for their life. They know that this is the end. And they wake Jesus up who's asleep in the stern. They shake him up. They say, Jesus, wake up. And they're screaming at him as the gale force winds are coming against the boat, as the waves are racking the side of the boat. And they look at him and they say, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care? And Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves and they calm down. He looks at him and says, you still don't have faith. You still don't see, do you? You still don't understand that I'm the one who doesn't just care when the storms of your life rage all around you, but I can care about the condition of your soul. So much to the place that when you see me, when you look at me, I want you to know that I am leading you, I'm guiding your spirit, and I'm guiding your soul. And if you will stay focused on me, if you will look to me, then the peace of who I am will be the peace that guides and guards your soul. You stand to your feet. We pray with you this morning. Father, I thank you for who you are in this place. God, that you're leading and that you're guiding us by your spirit. Lord, for every person here that's going through a crisis of the alignment of the harmony between their spirit and their soul, let the peace of God come. Let the peace of God come and begin to fill their hearts. Let the understanding and the the truth of who you are as the one who leads us, who brings us into the truth of who Jesus is in us, also guards and guides our soul. And let that peace, let that love, let that freedom, let that joy flood our souls. Every person here, if you find yourself in that place, I want your prayer to be this. Jesus, begin to guide my soul. Let me hear your voice. Let me know who you are. Let me listen to who you are. Speak to my spirit and let me live out the things that you're telling me in my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, don't, don't leave yet. I'm going to have some of the ministry team come up. I can get a few groups to come up for the ministry team. Just one more. Yeah, thanks. If you need prayer for something this morning, before you leave, 
Because I understand this, that the message today, there are things that we're walking through that we need to acknowledge. And maybe we need somebody to just put their hands in ours and to come into agreement and to pray. To pray a prayer of love, of grace, that allows God to begin to heal our broken heart. I understand that this morning there are some here that their hearts are heavy and their hearts are broken. And they say, you know what, Pastor? There's a lot of hard pathway ground in my heart. And in my heart, I'll need God to break that up, to clean that up, to make that right. And we want to pray with you this morning. If there's anything that's hurting you this morning, if there's a sickness in your body, a brokenness of your heart, we want to pray with you. Let me say one more thing really quick. We say, Pastor, listen, why do I need to come up to the front? Why can't I do that right in my chair? You can. You absolutely can. But sometimes, and these sometimes are things that you don't want to miss on. You don't want to let it just slip by you because God's inviting you into something. And it's similar to the, what the conversation that took place in my bedroom. As I could have just sat there and I could have stayed unchanged. But there's times that God's telling us to take an action. There's times that God's saying, listen, if you'll make a move to me, I'm right here. And the importance sometimes of coming to the front is this, is that we begin to acknowledge who God is and that if we're going to move into something, he's going to meet us. Because he's not the God who stays still. He's not the God who doesn't move in our behalf. But he is the one who meets us exactly where we are. But he's not going to jump across things when our heart's closed off. But if we open our heart and we step into that, God begins to do something supernatural. I know that's not for everybody here, but it may be for a few people. And if that's you, do not let embarrassment, do not let fear. There's nobody here that will judge you. You are at home. You are loved here. But please, with all the passion in who I am, Do not let today go by if you need to come in agreement with somebody in prayer because it could be the day that your life changes. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, the grace and the peace of who Jesus is be upon every person. Holy Spirit, minister to our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. 